Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Thanks for tuning into the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, and this is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Each week we bring you an in-depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian, and that can be an artist, a musician, a visual artist, or someone who helps promote the arts in their community. And I think we have a little bit of a couple of these different things here today with us. Our very special guest today in the studio is Sandra Lee Bell. Sandra, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Larry. Now, you are a very special guest in that you are an artist and a musician and mm-hmm. a performer here in central Mississippi, but you've also uh, recently come on board to the Arts Commission. I have, and it's a wonderful thing. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I guess, about six weeks old now and um, just enjoying the experience and meeting everybody. Starting to get your first legs and starting to yeah. hold on to the table yeah. and kind of walk around. Yeah. Quite, quite a bit, uh, asking a lot of questions, and uh, right now just trying to meet as many people, as many uh, grantees as I can. So you are our arts industry program director, mm-hmm. and uh, just tell people just real quick a, a little bit about what that program does. Well, we work basically with um, some of the larger programs in MAC. Um, We're working with the ballet, with the symphony. We're working with museums, uh, international ballet competition. But then as well, we're working with some of the artists who are uh, uh, performing artists as well. So we kind of have a good mix there of of very large programs and then those um, artists who are performing artists. So I think it's a good mix and... um, so far, I've, I've had a chance to talk to several of them and get some ideas from them in terms of, of what they like to see Mac do for them. And so that's what I'm trying to serve in the role right now is just being a good servant to those individuals. Right. Right. So at the Arts Commission, you're you're an administrator, mm-hmm. you, but you're also kind of connecting to all these uh, arts organizations and individual artists. But the other thing I think that was especially appealing to bring someone on who has an who has experience as an artist themselves. Yes. Uh, we have several people on staff who are who have been professionals in their past, mm-hmm. storytellers, ballet dancers. Uh, musicians, and and so we have another musician with us, yeah. and and I really want to let's delve into that because that's probably what you're known for best in the in in the I central so. Mississippi area is so. your work as a musician. Yeah, I've been at this um, uh, well, really all my life. I started taking piano lessons when I was three in Yazoo City, Mississippi, and um, just from there developed a love of everything musical. Um, instrumental. I've, I play several instruments, and I try to sing a little bit. But um, I, I think music, I grew up in a house that was full of music. My dad was a big Motown guy, and uh, he liked all those artists. He liked the Edwin Stars, and he liked uh, Barry White and Al Green. And so I, I grew up listening to a lot of music. And then my mom on the other side was more of a jazz person. She liked uh, jazz. She liked uh, Nat King Cole was her favorite singer. And so I kind of grew up hearing both of those things. And, um, of course, being a church girl, then I had also the other side of that being gospel music. And uh, I'm a staunch United Methodist, and so I grew up with hymns and with the structure of that. And I think that gave me, again, another appreciation of really what music is all about. You had mentioned to me when we were talking about this interview that you had a piano in your in your bedroom. I did. So, 
So how did that come about? Was that your your idea? No, or? not at all. Um, I My mom knew that I hated to practice, and so that was her big challenge for me was for me to get that hour a day of practice in that the nuns would tell me, you've got to practice at least an hour a day to get good at what you're doing, and I wouldn't do it. And so what my mom did, she put my piano in my bedroom, and she, whenever I get in trouble, which was often, um, she would say, you go to your room, and you can't watch TV, you can't get on the phone, you can't do anything. And so the only thing I had in the room was my piano, and that was the way I think she encouraged me subtly to practice. And um, I got pretty good at it um, just from having that piano there in the bedroom. So were you doing kind of the standard uh, etudes and, and, and those kind of things? Or no. what, what all were you playing well, when you started? I think at that point, um, I was in grade school. So we were going through that period where they're teaching you stuff in school, the folk songs, um, the uh, you're a grand old flag, you're a high flying flag and all of that. And so I liked those simple melodies and, and, and they appealed to me. So that would be what I would practice. I would sit there and just kind of figure out, okay, this is where this goes and um, I'd work as hard as I could until I learned those songs. And um, my goal was to go back to school and be able to tell my music teacher, I want to play that song for the group today. And inevitably, I would. So were you picking it out, kind of like hearing the melody in your head and picking yeah, it out and then adding yeah. the chords to it? I, I think that's the reason that I really did not enjoy piano lessons. I didn't understand that you had to learn the notes in order to be able to play the songs. I wanted to go straight to the songs. And so um, thankfully, I had the ear that I was able to do that. And um, once I realized that I could go much further if I knew the notes as well as the songs, that's how I kind of put all of that together. Mm-hmm. And you're known, uh, uh, you work in the music ministry, you've done that for many years mm-hmm. for your church. How did, how did, the, uh, how did the church music uh, come into your, your, your early years as a musician? Yeah, it was, uh, I think, a necessity. Um, the church I grew up in, in Yazoo City, was very, very small. And we had one musician, a fantastic lady, Yvonne McCoy. Some of our listeners may be familiar with her. She was a wonderful choir teacher in the high school there in Yazoo City, and she played for our church. And when she played, I remember being 10 or 11 thinking, gosh, if I could ever just get as good as Miss McCoy, I'll be okay. And she had this style about her. She put all of herself into her playing, and um, that's what I really enjoyed. And so at at one point, uh, the, the minister asked about starting a youth choir. And so there were about three or four of us in this very small church, so we didn't have much of a choir, more, you know, just like, um, I guess, a little mini group, if you want to call it. And so I recruited some of my classmates to come on Sunday to actually start this choir at my church. And um, it, it grew from there. And so I started playing for my church there, St. Stephen's, and played for a couple of other churches in the in the city. And um, that's kind of how I cut my teeth on music, um, going from the hymns to playing for Catholic Church and playing some of the things that they did, and then going to Kojic churches, which was a whole different style of music. Oh, yeah. But um, I think it, it gave me a good background to kind of move forward in. Yeah. Uh, For those of you just tuning in, this is the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and we're talking with Sandra Lee Bell today. She is our new arts industry director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. She's also a a musician, a piano player, a a music minister, a vocalist, and and does all kinds of things uh, when she goes home and on the weekends. She's very busy. Um, Maybe you could talk just a little bit. You mentioned about kind of playing. You know, a lot of people think, well— 
and I guess some people are like this. They play the, they play music for their church, mm-hmm. and that's you know what they you know it's part of their ministry, part of what their 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 contribution. Yeah. But there are also because there's so many churches and so much need for music, there are. There's a whole world of church musicians where people can, you know, it is a, a side income and maybe even a primary income for oh, some absolutely. musicians. Absolutely. Yeah, we have uh, some really great guys at my church, um, and uh, our listening audience may be familiar with some of them. Uh, Forrest Gordon, who owns his own production company, he's been around for a long time. People call him Juk uh, because that's what he does. Uh, he plays with uh, Barry Leach and uh, Chris Gill. And so he's around quite a bit. Um, we Ezra Brown was one of the musicians who actually oh, okay, came yeah. through Anderson and one of the baddest saxophone players I've mm-hmm. ever heard. And so uh, Gene Bradley is um, uh, our drummer, and he plays, uh, of course, with Anderson, but he also has played with the symphony. He plays with Raphael Sims in these days. Um, so uh, we've got a good core of, of guys and, and young ladies who... I guess they've they've played so many different styles of music, and because gospel music is that today, um, it used to be that gospel was just kind of traditional, and um, but now it's it's a little bit of everything. We've got a, a gospel feel, we've got a jazz feel. There's even gospel rap out there now that we're doing, and so um, I guess our goal in terms of of what we do is to make it all to do it the best that we can. Uh, we want to um, make sure that it's a quality sound. Um, and that because our our age in, at uh, my church is uh, so varied, we we have an audience, of course, from three months to you know ninety, and they all uh, want to hear different things. And so we have a, a variety of music that we actually uh, perform. Uh, I say minister that we minister, and um, I, I think that it it does have an appeal across the board. Now, once you graduated, you didn't stay in state. You you left state for for college. So tell me. Like, tell me a little bit about that and why you chose to go where you went. Well, actually, um, I left state when I was 11th grade. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I went to New York for two years. Oh, that's right. Yes, to this uh, nice little community called Scarsdale. And a lot of people are familiar with that from the Scarsdale diet, but it was also a very affluent community, still is. And their public school was really almost like a performing arts school. And I, I think that is definitely where my music horizons expanded. Um, I, uh, Broadway, of course, was the big uh, influence in the school. And um, we had a music tower. We did productions like Pippin and Chorus Line and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. And so uh, they really had a, a big program there and um, did some big singing. I got familiar with um, uh, the the ladies with the big voices, the Liza Minnelli's and, the, uh, you know, those folk. And so that was a really big influence on me at that point in my life. That's awesome. Um, well, let's not delay too much in hearing some of your music. So okay. let's we're going to take a music break now here and hear a track of something that you uh, composed. And so tell us a little bit about this before we play it. Yeah, this song is called The Good Samaritan. Uh, I wrote this song for the Mississippi Children's Choir back in 1994. Um, they were doing their first project, and Jerry Mannery with Malico at the time asked me to, if I would do something to uh, to add to that collection, and this was the song that I wrote, one of my favorite scriptures as well. All right, well, let's listen to it now. This is The Good Samaritan, written by Sondra Lee Bell here on the Arts Hour. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey. Our guest today is Sondra Lee Bell. She is the new Arts Industry Program Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, 
and also is a musician, a singer, composer, a minister of music, uh, chief cook and bottle washer yeah, of the musical no, world me. in mm-hmm. central Mississippi. Um, so we're, we're getting some... Uh, before we leave Yazoo City, though, I wanted to have you talk just a second about your fellow... Do you say Yazooian? How do you Yazooian? say Yazooian? Yazooian, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, Sherry Lucas. Is that's, one, right. Yeah. that's right. That's um, right. When I was third grade, um, the school system integrated in Yazoo City. And uh, I remember walking into Main Street uh, to that classroom, and there were just a sea of faces, none that looked like me. And um, they had us alphabetized at that point. And early in those days, you know, that's how you said A, B, C, D, and so forth. And I remember sitting, they sat me between two people. Kendall Lee was in front of me and Sherry Lucas was behind me. And I remember looking at Sherry going, wow, she has some red hair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but she, I remember she smiled at me. And so um, we actually became really, really good friends. Um, she was in the band when I was in the band. And so uh, I, all, the way, all the way through high school until I left, uh, we actually had a really good relationship and um, stayed in touch. I would run into her at all these events around the city when I moved back to Jackson. And um, when I they celebrated my 20-year anniversary at Anderson, uh, she came and actually did a story on me for the Clarion Ledger. And so um, I remember her. one of the things she said was that um, I, didn't, I didn't go very far, but I had gone really far in terms of music and my influence. And so just want to say, Sherry, if you're listening, I still love you and um, um, still enjoying our friendship even today. That's wonderful. And for those of you outside of Jackson, Sherry Luke is, of course, a longtime uh, columnist and writer for the Clarion, yes, Clarion Ledger, Ledger. And now yes. she's working for a number of different publications, mm-hmm. still very active writer and, Great writer. and, and focused a lot on arts and culture, which mm-hmm. has been very important for the Arts Commission and the arts community, uh, her support over yes. the years. Um, so we left you in Scarsdale, mm-hmm. but then you came back You came back south for college. I did. It was cold up there. Oh, I um, bet. I, the first storm I ever saw with snow and lightning was in New York. And um, I thought, okay, Lord, you are trying to tell me something. And I think it may be that I need to go back south. And so that's what I did. Um, I applied to LSU and was accepted. And uh, went there and had a really, 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 really good time. Really good time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When uh, LSU has the reputation for a party school, it is definitely that. And so um, at some point I decided, okay, Sandra, if you're going to actually get a degree in something, we might need to get a little bit more focused here. And um, so I decided at the point I went to Southern. I told my parents, I don't want you to give me another penny. I'm going to do this on my own. And that's what I did. Um, I basically went to Southern, and I um, my my degree is in business management. And uh, even though I was in business, it seemed like music wouldn't let me go. Um, I run into some people there in Baton Rouge who were looking for a church musician. And um, at, at that time, I had a young lady who uh, was so serious about that. She said, if you'll play for us, I didn't have a car at the time. She said, we'll come pick you up. We'll come get you for her rehearsals and church, and we'll make sure you get where you want to get. And um, not only that, we'll give you dinner on Sundays. And oh. I said, hey, it's a deal. Hmm. And so uh, we are actually still friends today. Um, but, um, yeah, Baton Rouge was good for me. Um, musically, of course, uh, Louisiana music is wonderful. Um, of course, Southern University, their band is called the Human Jukebox, and they get that, they're, they're, they get it honestly. And so um, 
the influence even in college for me. Um, I, I was not in the band or choir when I was in college, but of course I was still playing that gospel music. Uh, performed with a group there called Heritage that did acapella Negro spirituals. And um, another thing that I think gave me a, a real appreciation for um, an ear for listening and harmony and um, uh, just being in tune with the person who was next to you and singing. And so uh, it, when we would sing, it was almost like we were breathing together. We were one body. And so um, I think that was another real strong influence on me musically as I was growing. That's amazing. Um, so I, I'm just curious about, so you, you kind of came up in the Methodist church, but mm-hmm. you've played and can you talk a little bit about some of the differences musically yes. that you, and maybe some of the things that you learned kind of playing in other, you know, outside of your own religious tradition? Yeah. Well, I think the main thing that I learned is that um, if it's music is done well, it doesn't really matter what type of music it is. Um, I, played for, like I mentioned, a Catholic church. I started with the Methodist church, and I played for Baptists, for Pentecostal, for uh, Church of God in Christ, um, Lutheran. And so um, I think the thing that all those um, musical genres had in common was that they they touched you in some way, um, uh, whether it was the melody, whether it was the harmony, whether it was the syncopation or the rhythm um, I remember um, some friends of mine who sing with the mass choir had an opportunity to go on tour with them out of the country. And one of the things they were concerned about was that their music would not translate um, to those people who would not understand the language, you know, didn't know exactly the words they were saying. But they said regardless of what they sang, that the spirit was still there. And I think that's what I find in all of the gospel music is that the spirit is still there. Um, we have gone through, uh, I guess, transition with Anderson, um, a ho- doing a whole lot of hymns when I first started. But um, now we are really open to any kind of music. Um, we have, uh, we're, we're doing a praise and worship, we call it now. It's real big in churches, uh, more of the praise team style music versus large choirs. And so we do that as well. We have a, a large sanctuary choir. We have a a children's or youth choir, and uh, we have a praise team. And then we have a band that they play what we call gospel, which is a combination of gospel and jazz. And they've been doing that now for about 18 years. Hmm. And Anderson, for, for people outside of Jackson, Anderson is a is a large congregation mm-hmm. here in, in Jackson. It's very well known for its, its musical uh strength because it's it's the rehearsal home for the Mississippi Mass yes, Choir and there are many Mass Choir members in in your choir yes. and uh, so it has a, um if you go into the Museum of Mississippi History uh, in the music section you'll see the the, the choir at Anderson performing yeah, we're as on, part the of that. There, on the jukebox on the jukebox with the blues and the bluegrass mm-hmm. and, and the other forms we were really proud of so that. Anderson has this you know has a strong uh you know it's a strong presence in the north side of Jackson but also has that musical heritage talk about you've been there for many years obviously mm-hmm. talk about kind of but you you mentioned to me that Anderson you know I've always known it as this large congregation yes. but it, it started pretty as a pretty humble small church oh absolutely um for listeners who are familiar with um, where Lanier High School is. That's where the initial site for Anderson was, was on Page Street. And um, 
has always uh, been a very strong United Methodist Church in terms of, of the people who were committed to it. It was uh, one of those churches that started in, in, in a home and then moved into a church setting. And so I, the, uh, a lot of family connections there. And so um, when I came to Jackson, I graduated from Southern in 1985. And when I came to Jackson, um, my mom told me, first thing you got to do is find you an apartment. The second thing you got to do is find your church. And so um, I told her that I would. And um, I went to, at the time, all the churches that had been recommended to me, um, you know, kind of the larger churches and the churches with the big choirs and the, uh, and I just wasn't feeling it. You know, I didn't get that. With a church, I think when you walk in the door and definitely when you leave, you know, this is a place that you can feel at home. And I hadn't felt that way any other place. And so um, my mom was in Jackson uh, visiting an aunt, and um, they were across from the old Jackson Mall, the, the, now the medical mall, and had car trouble. And this wonderful gentleman stopped and said, um, you, you ladies need some help. And as it turned out, it was the, the pastor for Anderson United Methodist Church at the time, Je- uh, Jeffrey Stallworth. And so... Um, uh, he helped them. He got them to where they needed to be. And in the conversation, my mom mentioned, like proud mothers will, my daughter just graduated from college and she can play the piano. And so, uh, you know, he's thinking, OK, yeah, some little church girl, Methodist church girl that's playing hymns. And uh, she said, I'm going to tell her to come to your church. And I did. And so when I went to the church that day, it was just a very, very comfortable feeling. I enjoyed the service. I enjoyed the message. I enjoyed that everybody spoke, and I felt good. And so after service was over, I went up, and I introduced myself, and I said, you know, you helped my mom uh, when she was having the car trouble. And so he said, well, play something for me. And um, and I did, so I started playing. And um, he was a singer. The, the pastor was a singer. So he started singing things. And as he sang, I'd kind of change keys with him or I'd go to the song he was doing. And, you know, I could tell he was impressed. And so uh, when uh, we finished, we did maybe for about 10 minutes, he said, you're hired. And I said, well, I didn't realize that I was, you know, auditioning for anything. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up at Anderson. Um, and like I said, that was in 85 and um, actually got moved to um, Natchez. Like two months after that, my job transferred me to Natchez, and uh, I was there for nine months. And when I came back to town, the position had not been filled, so I guess it was supposed to be mine. Mm. And so I have been there ever since. That's great. Yeah. And you've and you've really seen it grow over the years. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I I forgot to reset here, but we are on the Arts Hour. We're talking with Sandra Lee Bell here today. Uh, she is the new Arts Industry Director at the Arts Commission and a musician and music minister uh, uh, outside of work as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, how did how did the changes? So you started in the eighties. How has how has music in your church changed? You mentioned some of the different choirs. Mm-hmm. What, yes. what was it? It was a more traditional and kind absolutely. of what you had grown up with, I oh, guess, when absolutely. you first started. That's yeah. what um, I, I knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that uh, style of music when I first went to Anderson. I knew the hymns. Um, but again, because I'd played so many other places, I, I was... I think the pastor was excited that I was open to do and could do some other styles of music. And so... Um, in 91, I remember, we moved to um, our second location, which was on Northside Drive, a, a larger church. And um, I hired my first musician. For a long time, it was just me. 
and we had a you know a couple of the piano players, but no other instruments. And so uh, that year was the year that Gene Bradley came on board, and um, he played drums. And I really had not at that point heard a drummer that I thought fit into a United Methodist Church because so many drummers just wail and just right. you know go for everything they know. And he was one of the most tasteful drummers that I heard in terms of just knowing just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, he, we hired him, and after that, we ended up getting a bass player, uh, Chris Gibson, and after that, we added a guitar. And so now we're up to, we have uh, eight eight instruments on Sunday. So we have a, really a full band on Sundays. And I think that's part of the appeal for people when they come is that, um, you know, it's not just the voices that we do, um, which is the primary concern, but we also make sure that the music, what happens underneath the voices is correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, we spend a lot of time with that. We're proud of that. Um, And I guess in terms of the change in music, um, I think people have become just a little bit more liberal in their thinking of what church music is. Um, We are... We still do the anthems. We still do the spirituals. Uh, in fact, the month of February, we really um, concentrate on spirituals. Um, and we try to do the acapella uh, uh, items. But we also try to do some things that appeal to the youth because the youth are the future of our church. And if we lose them in our services, then as we get older and um, are moving to do other things, we need to have those youth that come in and that have that that same... Uh, appreciation and zeal for music that we have and that want to do it well. Yeah, you have to yeah, you have to find find their their the thing that's true to that's them right. as well. Exactly. And that realize that music is always changing and always expanding and and we can learn from that as well, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, talking to music. Yes. Let's hear some more music. Oh, We've good. got another uh, song that you wrote here. Oh, yes. Let me tell you about that. Um we had an exhibit um, that you may remember, um, or and some of the listeners, Songs of My People, that toured through Jackson um, in the early 90s. And our choir was, was asked to sing for that opening. And so in doing that, um, I wrote this song called Songs of My People, and it basically celebrates um, as African Americans uh, who we are and how beautiful we are in all that we are. Okay, well, let's listen to this right now. This is Sandra Lee Bell on the Arts Hour. We're back for our final segment on the Arts Hour, and today our guest is Sandra Lee Bell. She's our new arts industry director at the Arts Commission, and she's also a musician and uh, music minister here in Jackson. Um, we were going to uh, set aside the music for a little bit and talk about, of course, at the Arts Commission, we always like to have artists working for us, but mm-hmm. we especially like to have people who can administrate. And I know yeah. that sounds boring to everybody out there, but it's really important in terms of getting the getting uh, getting grants out to people, helping people with grants. And one of the things I know when uh, our director Malcolm White was looking at your resume, we saw a, a long history of working in grants administration, yes. both with federal grants and working with communities. Yes. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about your past kind of uh, work in, in grants and that. Yes. Um, grants is a funny thing. It's one of those things that you just r- probably really like or you can't stand. And when I started working in grants, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed, uh, number one, the fact that um, we were helping people. We were getting funds out to the folk that were demonstrating the need and showing how they were going to influence their communities with the monies that they received. 
And I think the first grant that I worked with that I really enjoyed was with the um, health department. They had a community uh, qualified health center grant where they actually awarded funds to the community health centers around the state. And this was the first time it had been done anywhere in the United States. Um, It was a five-year program. So there was buy-in, actually, by the state of Mississippi that we want to see our people um, do something wonderful with this money. And, And I think the thing I enjoyed the most about it was that every grant was different. Every person knew their community, so they knew the needs of that particular community. And so as we looked at those grants, we really tried to see which one of these would have the greatest impact, which would um, uh, meet the greatest need. And in all of the areas that I've worked, um, I've worked for the health department, I've worked for uh, Homeland Security, uh, which was a totally different thing with federal monies. Um, I, I came in with them right before Hurricane Katrina, so you can imagine what that was like and what um, the rollout of the, uh, the dollars were. And um, it, it filled an immediate need in the state of Mississippi. Um, I've worked with the University of Mississippi Medical Center, where we have uh, administered grants for uh, un- underserved populations and for individuals with AIDS and HIV. And a, a lot of times um, these are, I guess, segments of the population who don't get money who really, really need it and um, have a, a great use for it. And so um, in, in administering, um, I, I, I think my challenge is providing the technical assistance to the grantees so that um, we're all on the same page. Um, if they need help with grant, with uh, expending grants, funds, or, or just making sure that they're keeping their records properly. I've gone into cities where... They didn't have a computer. Um, They were still doing grants on uh, the yellow legal pads. And so one of the things we tried to do was use grant funds to get them a computer to kind of bring them up to speed. So um, grants in Mississippi really fulfill a great need. Um, In the Arts Commission, I see the same thing as I've come here. And I look at, um, you know, some of the larger um, agencies, uh, the International Ballet Competition, the uh, Mississippi Opera, people like that. Um, they, their influence is so wide. Uh, but then I look at some performing artists who uh, don't have those funds, but their influence is just as wide, but in a different way. So, And, and one thing people may not realize is that you may have these these organizations that have been around for many years, like mm-hmm. Opera or someone like that, but there is a steady churn of people through these organizations. Oh, people yes. retire, people move, they get other jobs. So there's always someone new yes. who's never written a grant before. That's right. And, that's right. and so you're constant. we are constantly, tra- training is like yes. ongoing. Yes, that's a good thing. And um, and it's appreciated. I, in fact, uh, when I leave here today, I'm going to be going over to Jackson State to the uh, Margaret Walker Center there. And I'll be meeting with um, Robbie. I don't remember your last name, Robbie, but I'll see you around three thirty. Robbie Luck, Doctor Ro- Doctor Robert Luckett. You mean I'm of, sorry. Yes. Excuse me. But yes, we're, we're, we're not as formal as yes. that. But yes, Doctor <laughs> yeah. Luckett. Doctor Luckett. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, and, and you know, I'm excited about that because, of course, I'm very familiar with Jackson State's campus. But this will be my first trip to that center, and so um, um, it's an education for me. Even though I've worked on the grant side, the art side for me, I'm learning something new and wonderful every day. And that is exciting. Yes. So come learn with her. So if you are with a 
what we call single discipline organization, mm-hmm. which is what Sandra focuses on. So that would be like a theater, an art museum, um, a, a symphonic orchestra, community group band, mm-hmm. any organization that is focused on presenting a single, you know, their focus is a single discipline, not a community arts organization yes. that does everything, but those single disciplines, which are they're all over the state. If you have one in your community or you know someone that you feel like, oh, they need some more help, they need, they need, maybe they need a grant, you should talk to Sandra Please, at our, in our office. Please, give me a call. Yeah. I'd love to hear from you. So, Sandra, in addition to, you know, your, your church ministry, you also still find some time to get out there and perform with I do. kind of outside of the church setting. I do. Um, and that is the fun part of it. Um, I've been working with uh, Tougaloo College for about 18 years now with their Upward Bound program. They do, um, uh, If I, I know a lot of people may know about Upward Bound, but they have core classes, the English, the math, the reading, you know. But they also do the extracurricular classes, uh, and music is one of those. And so I've had the opportunity to work with this group. It's uh, about six weeks out of the summer, a couple of hours a week, and um, just really training them on music and music appreciation. And what I find is not only that, I'm training them on life skills. Um, I had The group I had this year was a group of primarily ninth-grade students who are very... Uh, they're they're trying to figure it all out. And so um, to them, singing was not cool. So I had to figure out a way to show them that, yeah, it is cool. And uh, we prepared a, um, a, we did just really a, a worship service for um, one of the nursing homes in the city, uh, just to show them that it's okay to give back. And so uh, that's one of the areas that I've had a chance to perform in. Um, I work with Raphael Sims and Jewel Bass with These Days. I've had the chance to uh, background for him on many, many, many occasions. And uh, that is, when I say thrilling, um, that is my out-of-Broadway experience that I get a chance to, to do just for me. Uh, Jewel Bass is a wonderful singer. Raphael Sims, one of the best musicians I know. And so he does this, um, uh, It's I guess it's called Mississippi Music, and it, it kind of talks about the history of music in, in our state and how um, the blues kind of influences everything. And he goes all the way through that uh, with the different music, uh, music selections that he performs. So I've had a chance to do that. And then um, I guess probably one of the highlights of my career, I got a chance to actually perform with Lyle Lovett in Nashville. Um, he was doing a show, and one of his uh, songs has uh, like a gospel sort of background on it. And every city that he went to, he would get groups to back him on this particular song. And so uh, we got an opportunity to back him in Tunica, Mississippi, at one of the casinos when he performed there. So the call came to Anderson? Call, like, well, or, it, it, or I just... think, I, I don't even remember now how who recommended us, but um, he, uh, I was asked if I could put to, together a group of about five people, and mm-hmm. so we did it uh, in Tunica. And um, so when he performed um, at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, he, he invited us to come and actually sing there with him. So I have performed with Lyle Lovett, and it was wonderful. Well, he's coming back soon, I so know. you could go, I, go hey, to dinner I, with him. I, huh? I've already I've, <laughs> I've reached out to his people, and I'm hoping okay. his people will get with my people because, you know, a little we, we want to do yes. that. Exactly. Sounds good. Exactly. You're listening to the Arts Hour on MPB, and I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're talking with Sandra Lee Bell. She's our new arts industry director at the Arts Commission and is a musician and a performer in her own right. 
um, we had mentioned kind of on and off uh, here and there throughout this our talk is about the Mississippi Mass Choir yes. and their home base. Now they are not an Anderson uh, choir. No, but they but you but they they're they're head, the rehe- they yeah their rehearsal Anderson. home. Right, uh, that's actually where they started. Um, the first rehearsal that they ever had was at Anderson. And um, so uh, the Mass Choir, of course, is made of of, uh, members from all over the state, all ages, all races, and um, just a wonderful conglomeration of love. I mean, that's all I can call it. And um, it grows, uh, depending on where they're performing, they may perform with as few as 20, but they may record with as many as 150. So it's a a big, uh, big organization. Um, I know that um, they will be actually singing at Anderson the third Sunday in this month. Uh, they're being recorded by yeah they're in August they're they're re- being recorded by the Discovery Channel, and so they wanted to see them in a church setting. And with Anderson being their church home, that was we thought it was only fitting that they would come and do that recording there. So. Um, y'all come pack the house out that Sunday morning, 8 o'clock service. And, oh, so uh, it's going to be part of the service. It's going to be part of the oh, service, great. yeah. So they'll actually, it'll be worship. It won't just be a concert. It'll be worship. And so uh, we're very proud to um, to have members uh, of Anderson to be a part of the choir and to, I mean, they're home for us. They're, they're our home folk for us. And you sing with the choir I as do. well? Yeah. I do. Um, I started back about... 15 years ago now, uh, have not been able to um, travel with them as much as I'd like. Um, had, my parents had some health issues, and so I wasn't able to, to get away as much. But I, I promised that uh, for the next recording, I will be there. I will be in the next recording, and it's coming up pretty soon. So, you know, the, the thing that amazes me, you have a full week of work, and mm-hmm. then on the weekends you have this whole other very, I mean, very important job, a very a, very work. crucial job. It's work. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's it's perform mode. It's <laughs> yeah. work. So yes. maybe just talk a little bit about kind of what time you get up on Sunday and what how does your Sunday go? Because you're you're at all these services. Yes, right? I am. Um, well, you know, I think the blessing in all of this is that none of it's work for me, um, and and my my prayer, and that's the only way I can say it was that when I found a job, the next job that I asked for, I wanted it to be something that I really enjoyed doing. And that is what I found with Mac. Um, the people are wonderful. Um, and I just want to say to all my Mac colleagues, thank you all so much for uh, putting up with me right now. I ask a lot of questions, and I never feel like um, anyone gets tired of answering them. So I thank the Mac staff for that. But... Um, and then on in terms of what I do on Sundays, that is definitely not work. That is fun. That is what I live for. Um, I normally get up uh, around 5 o'clock, and um, I get up and I say a little prayer, and I my feet hit the floor, and I'm, I'm running until our last service is we end around 1 o'clock. And so um, the, the thing that I've been fortunate to have is a really good staff, um, the last service that we have, I don't have to direct. I can just sing. And for me, there, that freedom has meant uh, really just a whole new life for me in terms of what I do with church because I don't have to worry about, 
you know, did they come in on time? Do I, do I, how do I cue this group? And how do I get the altos to sing louder? And is the congregation involved? And I don't have to worry about any of that. All I have to do is just sing and be in his presence. And so uh, for me, that is, I think, what gives me the strength to keep doing what I'm doing every day. That's great. That's great. So it, it re-energizes Absolutely. You in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. Yes. Um, so, uh, so you're going to be hitting the road a lot here. I uh, am. So, so be looking out for Sandra and your community. We hope to get get her out throughout the state over the next six months or so, especially. Yes. Um, and we've got some stuff coming up mm-hmm. at the. We wanted to hit a few things that we're going to be kind of upcoming for the Arts Commission as well. In lieu of the plug section, since you are now an Arts Commission employee, (laughs) we'll plug the Arts Commission real quick. Yes, that's good. Yes. Uh, We have a statewide arts conference that's going to be October the 18th at the state capitol, and that's open to the public. We certainly hope everyone will come out and um, let us see your faces and let us um, show you how much we appreciate what you do for us as we try to serve the arts community. And then uh, an important date to remember is that the mini-grant deadline is November the 1st of yes. this year. And um, I'm really talking to a lot of performing artists, and that's the first thing they ask me is, how can I get money and where can I go? So if you haven't had a chance to do so, go to uh, our website, to the Mac, uh, Mississippi Arts Commission website. Arts.ms.gov. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best. And um, I don't think there's a question that you could ask that is not already probably answered on that website. It's it's really good information. But if you have questions, you can call, call and Sandra us. will happily talk with you uh, as long as you need to. Yes. So, Sandra, thank you so much for being here with us, and thank you for joining us at the Arts Commission. We've really enjoyed our thank time you, so far. And, thank you. And we have a lot of... Uh, uh, we 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 see so many things great in the future with you as well. I'm excited. Um, for those of you who listened and you'd like to uh, listen back, you didn't hear the whole show, or you want to share it with a friend, you can go to the MPB website at mpbonline.org. They post all our past shows as streaming files, or you can go on to your uh, favorite uh, podcast download site or place and download the Arts Commission as a podcast and carry it around with you. Until next time, we'll be seeing you around.